Father, thank you that you are faithful and that you never change and you keep pursuing us and that you can cause all things to work together for good to those who love you and who seek you. Father, we realize that there are still so many in the United States who are struggling with just the lack of of just normal means that we take. Father, I pray that you would provide. And Father, I thank you for those who are giving above and beyond and are reaching out to their neighbors and just serving them. Father, I pray that you would even use uh, the crises that, uh, that we're in at, at this point. God, that you would use it to draw people to you and that you would provide in ways that uh, folks would never, uh, never expect. Father, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. And that you would, if you've not already uh, spoken uh, through the lyrics of these songs, God, I pray that as we open your word, that you would continue to speak in a praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. It's so good to see you. Thanks for being here. You may be seated. Being from the South, I have uh, interest in all that's going on, uh, probably, uh, probably as much. As you, as you do as well. Uh, Karen and I lived in Houston for, uh, well, she grew up in Houston, and uh, I was there for about eight years uh, doing youth ministry work. But there was one of our favorite guys, I never met him, but I just always appreciated Mattress Mike, Mac, Mattress Mac. And uh, this guy owns a, a, a furniture store and basically just opens up uh, his his building anytime there's a need and so right now he just said anybody who needs a place to sleep I've got lots of mattresses and so opened it up and is providing food and, and again I just I think it's amazing how God's people rise to the occasion even in the midst of uh, in mattress mattress max own issues uh, still putting the needs of other people in front and so I'm grateful uh, that God is working in the lives of people and through people. Uh, our prayer verse for this week is John 16, 33, and it fits so well with the passage that we, that the, the message that we just sang in song, where God was faithful then, he'll be faithful now. John 16, 33, Jesus said, I told you all of this, that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. I mean, think about this. The hoped outcome, what we all look for, is peace. And that word peace means regardless of circumstances. So this is not circumstantially driven. So he says, in me, which is the key phrase, the key, key there, that you may have peace in me. And then, he's, then he says, you're going to have many trials and many sorrows, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And I have overcome the world comes, uh, actually, you just sang this truth uh, in the Greek New Testament where it says, I have overcome the world. It's called the perfect indicative case. Now, normally you'd say, who cares? You should care because this is an amazing case. Perfect indicative means God did something in past, but it has continuing results. It never runs out. So God has overcome uh, the world, is overcoming the world, will overcome the world. And so when we have all kinds of trials and tribulations, and we're in him, we've opened our life to Jesus Christ, he says, I can give you peace, and you need to know because not only have I taken care of you in the past and those that come before me, uh, before you, I can continue to meet your needs, and I will continue to meet needs even afterwards. So how do we face the future? So here's where I want us to take for just a moment and practice this. Name your fear. Because he says, 
you're going to have many trials and tribulations. And the word trials, again, it's, it's kind of an un, unnerving word. It means the grains, how the grain is crushed underneath a rock. And so many, we move in and out of these situations where we feel overcome and overwhelmed and feel crushed. And so Jesus says, I do realize that you are going through all kinds of trials and tribulations. So name your fear. That didn't take long, did it? And, or another way to say it, I have anxiety over. And then he says, turn it over to the king of the cosmos and trust that he's in control of what you cannot control. He says, I have overcome the world, so I trust you with that whatever your anxiety is, whatever you feel crushed, that you would say, God, I'm, I'm going to put this into your hands because if you can create the world, you probably can handle whatever issue I'm going through. And then the beauty of this where he says, then in me you may have peace, peace which means regardless of the circumstances, that means that you could actually pray this prayer, Lord, just don't make it better, make it count. Can you imagine what would happen if we if our prayer life moved to a depth of where we didn't just say, God, would you solve my problems, but in the process of solving my problems, would you make it count? That is a sign of maturity. That is a sign of someone who says, God, you're bigger than I am. You're the creator of the cosmos, and so you're worthy of worship, and if you're able to make the world, you can probably take care of this, and so I trust my whatever into your hands because you will meet my needs. Make it count. Let's pray together. Father, there are so many just uh, online and in this room who are feeling crushed and feeling uh, unnerved, feeling out of control. Father, I pray that we would find peace in you. Thank you that you said you can provide peace regardless of circumstances because you have overcome the world. And so, Father, I pray that we would give you whatever is unnerving for us right now. And I pray that you wouldn't just solve our problems. I certainly pray that. But, God, I pray that it would go to a depth of prayer that we've never prayed before, maybe. That would say, God, don't just, don't just make it better, but, God, make it count. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Beth, uh, let the cat out of the bag. We are in the midst of talking about as a church... Uh, we're identifying what I'm ex excited about. We're committed to following Jesus by doing what Jesus did in order to become like Jesus was. We have identified some of the highest return on growth disciplines uh, that will help us to grow in our faith. And at that point, you, your clue bell ought to be going off saying if we've identified some of the most amazing habits or disciplines that have the highest return on growth, you should perk up and say, let me in on that. Because what that does, it leads us to the point where we're able to say, God, don't just make it better, but make it count. So I want to challenge you to do not underestimate the power of focused, doable, sustainable habits. Don't underestimate the power of habits. And we, as, a, as I've said, we've identified some of the ones that have the greatest return for growth in your love for God and your love for others. And we've identified those and we're talking through them over the next several weeks. Last week we talked about worship and the power of worship. 
and what that that consistent habit of not just daily worshiping God, but coming together as a group of people. And I loved what Francis Chan said about worship. He said, isn't it a comfort to worship a God we cannot exaggerate? Isn't it it a great thing to realize that we have access to the God that no matter how big we think he is, he's bigger than that. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, far beyond whatever we could think or imagine. And if you have a huge imagination, it's so small compared to the greatness and the bigness of God. God, don't just make it better. Make it count. We have a God who can do that. So today what I want to talk about is prayer. And uh, our second habit, that is a, what we would call a next step in experiencing God. And what we are doing as a church, we are challenging not just brand new followers of Jesus, because that's why our church exists, actually. It's kind of twofold. One, to reach the, the next generation who, who, with the great news of Jesus Christ, but also to help all of us become fully devoted followers of Christ. And so we're identifying habits that will take us to a level that we've never been at, for those who are brand new, we've got some feet wet habits. And for those of us who've been a little more seasoned, we have some knee deep or chest deep activities that will be helpful that we'll be talking about. So prayer is not an action, it's an interaction. So that being said, will you take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 6, and we're going to learn what Jesus had to say about prayer. Again, We're going to do what Jesus did in order to become what Jesus was, Matthew 6. I love what David Platt said as he introduced prayer. He said, God in his sovereignty has chosen to make prayer a powerful means by which we interact with him to effectively shape the course of history. Is this not mind-boggling, totally baffling? When we recognize that we serve a God that we cannot exaggerate a God who doesn't just make things better, but he makes it count, we have literally the ability to change the course of history. And what does that look like? As God changes us, he begins to change everybody else around us. That's why it's so important that we individually pursue Jesus Christ because everybody wins when you're growing. Everybody wins when you're growing. You want to affect the next generation in, in pursue Jesus Christ. So here's what Jesus said in Matthew 6, verses 5 to 6. When you pray, don't be like the showboats who love to pray out publicly on street corners and synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. It's, it's just basically image management, right? They'll get their reward from everybody else. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, And pray to your father in private, then your father who sees everything will reward you. Several things that we'll look at, make some some no-brainer observations, and then jump into some specifics. One, what Jesus is talking about, we need to consistently pray. When you pray, not every now and then, but when you pray, and then he goes on to talk. It needs to be something that we consistently interact with God on. Second thing he says, go away by yourself and shut the door. In other words, get alone. And here's why it's so important by being alone. Being alone helps me to abandon circumstances as my lens by which I evaluate life. 
getting alone helps me to abandon circumstances as my only lens on life. What we tend to do when we don't get alone is we look at all of our circumstances. But this is saying get alone with the God of the universe and begin to focus on him. And all of a sudden, the lens begins to change. So the third thing is to focus on God. Quit focusing on circumstances and to focus on God. And then fourth, expect God to respond. This simple discipline, this simple habit can change the trajectory of your life and the lives of all those around you. Because we serve a God whom you cannot exaggerate. I love what Andrew Murray said. He said, Be aware, beware in your prayers above everything else of limiting God, not only by unbelief, but by fancying that you know what he can do. You ought to like that just because you use the word fancying. So there's two extremes here. The extreme of saying, I don't think he's big enough, or I think he is big enough, and this is what he's going to do. Be amazed and shocked by what God can do when you get alone with him and you begin to focus on him and, and, and not focus on everything else around you. So if we're going to do what Jesus did in order to become like Jesus was, let's just take a bit of lesson from Jesus and notice the common denominators in these verses that I'm going to read quickly to you. Luke 5, 16. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus often retreated to pray. Luke 6, 12. One day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. Mark 1.35, and rising early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate prayer place, and there he prayed. Mark 6.46, after telling everybody goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Luke 11.1, 1, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus often prayed, sometimes lengthy, sometimes not so lengthy. But he sought the presence of God. And I want to take you to one passage when he is about to go into the, the, most, uh, the greatest atrocity in his life right before he gets crucified, Mark 14, 32. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, Sit here while I go and pray. He went on a little further and he fell to the ground. He prayed, if it were possible, that awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. He cried out, everything is possible for you. Take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Lord, don't just make it better. Make it count is what Jesus said. In the most difficult atrocity he was ever going to face, he, he realized, I'm don't want this to happen, but nevertheless, not what I want, but I want this to count. I want God to make this count. May I make the understatement of the morning? If Jesus needed time alone with his heavenly Father, we can all be sure we need it even more. It's the power of interacting with God. So, Jesus gives us a model prayer. It's one we can embrace 
and it's found in verse 9. He says, pray like this, and he's going to give us three things, upward, inward, and outward. Upward, inward, and outward, parts of the model prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, or holy be your name. When we interact with God, the first thing we do is we recognize the greatness of God. We look upward and recognize, God, you're worthy of all our praise. That's the beauty of worship services, that we come together in private worship and even uh, coming to different psalms of recognizing, God, you are great. Hallowed is to treat him as unique in a class by himself. He's the creator of all and the only one deserving our worship. In other words, he's not your cosmic DoorDash. He's the one who we call to and say, God, you are amazing. And then we continue to look upward. Uh, what do we ask? May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As Dallas Word says, may up there start happening down here. We don't pray, when is my kingdom going to come? That's what we all want to pray. God, what about my kingdom? What about what I want? But we begin with saying, God, nevertheless, make it count. I want what your will, I want your will to be done. This is the, the, the perfect part about the upward part of our prayer is it helps us to realign our priorities. Upward. He then points inward. Verse 11, give us today the food we need. That's when we say, God, here are the needs that I have. These are the things that cause me angst. These are the things that I'm losing sleep over. These are my anxieties. This is where I need help. Give me today the food I need. Mark Batterson says one of our fundamental understandings of spiritual maturity is thinking that it should result in self-sufficiency. It's the exact opposite the goal isn't independence. The goal is dependence. That's why it says, every day, give us today what I need. God, give us today what I need. It's coming to him on a daily basis and saying, these are my needs. And notice he doesn't just stop about that need of our physical needs and emotional needs. But he says, forgive us of our sins. One of the things that we need to spend time in is confessing our sins. Yes, all our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. That's the, uh, the perfect indicative case of forgiveness. It happened in the past, but it continues to forgive. But it keeps our relationship open, the fellowship open with God. And so I just pray, say, God, will you reveal to me any attitude, any actions, any inactions in my life that I just need to confess? And then I just keep my mouth shut, and I let God bring to mind whatever needs to be confessed. And he doesn't stop there. He says, not only ask God to forgive your sins, ask him to forgive those, ask him to help you to forgive those who sinned against you, because that is important. Forgiveness is a daily practice. Forgiveness knows no limits. It's on a daily basis that we that we live in, in, in confession with God, saying, I, God, I need to confess this. And help me to forgive those who disappointed me. Help me to forgive those who sinned against me. Failing to forgive or forgiving will, for, uh, will change you regardless. And then he moves to the outward. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So you're saying... God, I've worshipped you. I've got my own heart right now as I step out of the world. Keep me from making crazy decisions. 
I like what Tony Evans says. He says, Satan is smarter than us, and he has centuries of experience of ruining human lives. And so it's just saying, God, I realize that I'm in over my head, and I need you. It's in him that our hope is there. The devil doesn't care what we replace Jesus with so long as we replace him with something. That's all it is. Satan just wants you to replace your upward with something horizontal. That you put your thoughts and your hopes and your dreams in the horizontal, not the vertical. So let's practice for a moment. I want to close our service by just quickly introducing uh, the practice of this. We've talked about it, but let's just spend some time talking about and, and praying. So let's put it into practice. Upward. Matthew 6, verse 9 and 10, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So just pray this verse to God as your upward prayer. It's Jeremiah 10, 6 to 7. Just spend time and let that, let those verses speak upward for you. Lord, there is no one like you. For you're great, and your name is full of power. Who would not fear you, O King of nations? That title belongs to you alone. Among all the wise people of the earth and in all the kingdoms of the world, there is no one like you. So, Father, would you reveal what I need to hear from you today? Will you pray that? as you reveal help me to act upon what you reveal to me let's turn inward for a moment give us today our daily bread forgive us our debts as we have forgiven those who sinned against us so God here's what I presently need pray that for a moment Father, I need forgiveness. Would you search my heart, O oh God? Would you test me and know my anxious thoughts? Would you point out anything in me that offends you? And will you lead me along the path of what's right? Father, as I go out into the day, would you lead me not into temptation? Would you deliver me from the tricks of the evil one who knows where I'm weak? I need your help. 
throughout this day, would you let me hear of your unfailing love each morning? For I'm trusting you. Show me where to walk. For I give myself to you again. Father, may we be a church filled full of people who pray. May we come to the place as a church where we don't just pray make it better, which we do want that to happen, but make it count. Whatever comes our way, God, make it count. Our hope is in you and in you alone. May our focus be on you and may we follow through with whatever you whatever you revealed us and I pray it's in Jesus name Amen Thank you for joining us this morning uh, as we always close our service we give you an opportunity to give online or give here at our church it matters, it helps us to be able uh, to meet the needs of those around us uh, before we leave uh, I want to encourage you there are a couple opportunities uh, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, and you can find this on our web page, the very front page. Just scroll down to Monday event, and we have uh, Next Step Extra, and we're just going to talk about prayer. We'll interview several people who uh, are growing in their prayer life and just brainstorm with them and say, how, how are you, how, how's it grown in your life, and what's it look like, and what happens when you get stale? How do you keep your prayer life from becoming stale and self-centered? Uh, so we'll have that. That's at 7 o'clock from 7 to 7.45, and you can zoom in. The link is there. Also, on our webpage, uh, if you're wanting some help in prayer, uh, feet wet, knee deep, chest deep ideas, you can go to newcupchurch.org slash experience God, uh, experience slash God, and, uh, and go to, or just go to next steps. And we've got several different uh, ways for you to grow, to pray through Scripture, uh, to use the, what we talked about this morning and how Jesus modeled it, uh, of other ways of, of taking your prayer life to the next level. So we want to do whatever we can to come alongside to help you take your uh, interaction with God to the next level. Let me pray for us, and I'm so glad you came this morning. May God bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace as you interact with him this, this week. Father, we commit this week to you. May we be people who pursue you. May we be people who pray, God, not just make it better, but make it count. And may that happen as we pursue you and you alone. Anytime we begin to put our hope in circumstances, tap on our mind's eyes so we confess that and put our hope in you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being here.